we um, as we come to celebrate Father's Day and, and, and what that means and, and just the men in our life that have been su- such a great importance, have filled a significant role. And some of us, it was that father, right? That father was just there. He was strong. He was he was loving. He was everything that, you know, we think a father needs to be, right? Others, it may have been an uncle. It may have been a grandparent. It may have been somebody totally else, right? Maybe you may have been in foster care. You may have been adopted, whatever it may be, right? this, that, and the other. It may have been a teacher. It may have been somebody at the church, a deacon or a pastor that just took you under their wing that, that filled that role that was this father figure that showed you what it meant to to walk in the in the following the footsteps of the men that have come before you and to follow after Christ, yeah, right? Basically. It looks different for all of us. And we've talked about it and we reiterate this about every year. No matter if you uh, have a child of your own or whatever it may be, you feel a significant role in some youth's life around you, right? A nephew or a niece or maybe somebody that's you, a neighbor's kid, or if we work and help with the youth and stuff like that, one of those kids, you feel that role of what it means to to be a father figure, to be a, a man of influence on the youth of today. And, and that is what the world needs amen it needs strong men and women of god that are influencing that are teaching these children that are coming up how to follow in the footsteps of christ Um, and we're going to talk today about father abraham as we continue through this discussion of over his life and so if you want to go ahead and turn to genesis chapter 16 verses 1 through 4 it'll be the reading of of today you might read it and think that's a pretty peculiar scripture um, to read on father's day and i probably would agree with you Um, but uh, give us just a moment to allow the holy spirit to speak to us and give clarity into what we can learn about abraham or still abraham at this point in scripture that we can apply to our lives as we think about being a father or just being a parent in general. Amen. Bless you, Lord. So today, if we title the sermon, we're going to title it The Imperfect Father. Amen. We look at Father Abraham, and imperfect might not be the first word we think of, but it, we're going to define that and describe that and lay it out a little bit here in just a moment. But let's read Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 4 here real quick. So it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go in to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. Then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife after Abram had dealt ten year, dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. This is Genesis chapter 16 verses 1 through 4. We'll elaborate more on the situation there of what occurs afterwards and a little bit of what occurs beforehand just to give us some context into the story. But that's the, the scripture that God has put on our heart. But I, I want to start by talking about how we oftentimes chase perfection. Amen. I don't know anybody never come across anybody who is there about to become a, a parent, a father or mother um, who said, I'm just excited to completely fail at this. Or I am just looking for it to bomb. Yeah. Or I am so, it's, it's going to be great ruining this child for the rest of his life. Nobody, when they enter in and start to be a parent or go into that journey, goes into it with that mentality, right? I've never met anybody who has said one of those things that they turn to the nurse when the baby's born. It's like, I'm going to ruin this kid. Nobody, right? That's just not how we approach Parenting. That's not how we approach our relationship with the children, whether it be ours or somebody else's. It's just not how we go about it, right? More often than not, we see this with parents, and specifically with fathers in lots of instances, this idea that you are going to have to be the perfect parent or you're going to mess this kid up bad. 
that you're going to ruin him for the rest of your life. If you mess up any way, any little fashion, if you say the wrong thing, if you do the wrong thing, if you punish too hard, if you punish too light, if you treat him in a certain way, if you treat him too much like a friend, or if you treat him too much like an adversary, it's going to ruin him. You think you have to be perfect. And we approach it from that way in mentality a lot of times, right? We have a lot of instances of what it looks like to be a parent in society, what it looks like to be a father, right? I grew up, and I think I realize now, some of the shows I watched, my generation didn't watch, right? I realized I was probably about a decade or two behind. Because when I think of these fathers, you know, growing up, I think of Danny Tanner, right, from Full House, right? Good dude, right? He just he just did the stuff. I think of Carl Winslow. I like that dude, right? He's a fun dude. Urkel, and I want, jeez, please, right? Jumpstart stuff. Uh, Uncle Phil from, from um, the, oh, God, you know, with the guy, you know, Will, the slaps, the slapping Will. Um, Uncle Phil and these different ones. Andy Griffith was a good, that's way, that's going way back. But he's a great father. We have these images of what it looks like, an ideal, idyllic idea of what it means to be a father, right? Maybe we also we have some of these images of what our fathers were, or maybe our grandfathers were, or uncle, or somebody in our life that was just this strong male figure, this strong father figure that loved us, that cherished us, that taught us right, and everything like that. We can even look at Scripture sometimes. I'm like with Father Abram and, or Abraham and other ones throughout the Bible and, and see these images and these portraits of, of father figures and think, man, I have to live up to that standard. I have to, to be Andy Griffith, right? I have to, to be like my dad that was this great dad or this, my grandpa or whoever it was that just feel that I have to live up to, to that role. And we find ourselves chasing after perfection, our idea of what the world says or what somebody else has told us it means to be a perfect parent, right? We yeah. chase after that. We chase after that and pursue it and go all over life trying to find it. The reality is, though, is that the lives that we see on TV and sometimes the lives of, of, of the people that we love that were good father figures, we don't know the whole story in some of those instances, right? You understand any, any TV dad was in a controlled environment, right? They didn't have to worry about the throwing up. They didn't have to worry about the changing diapers. They didn't have to worry about the bills or this, that, and the other because it was a controlled environment. It looks good when you can just have control of certain elements of your situation. If you're a dad or a parent in general, you know you don't control every aspect of the situation of being a parent, right? It's just in flux from day to day. You might have somebody that you just idolize in your life, that you think is a great father, a great husband, a great man of God, but you don't go home with them, right? You don't see the struggles that they have. You don't see the pains that they have. You don't see the times that they blow off steam on their kids when they know they shouldn't. You don't see the times when they just get aggravated and just get frustrated. You don't see that. You see the great vision of it, and then you think that's the standard. But that is harmful to us when we use that as the mentality of this is what it looks like to be a perfect parent, right? We look at Abram, and we see Abram, this great example, right? I mean, we've talked about it for the past few weeks. He goes, and he's an earn, and he has everything he wants, and life's going good, and things are fine and dandy, and he's got everything he wants, and the Lord says, I want you to move. And what does he do? He moves, right? We see him being obedient. We see the Bible says his obedience, his trust, his faith was as righteousness. So we see this great example. He goes and he travels and he keeps on worshiping the Lord. No matter where he goes, no matter what he does, he's worshiping God. He talks with God and he has this very personal relationship with him to the point where last week we talked about how God came down and basically made this made this covenant with Abram and said, listen, buddy, this is yours. I've promised you this. I've given you this gift. I've chosen you out of all the other people in the land. You are going to be the one that establishes my people. Man, this is a good dude, right? Yeah. I mean, you just don't sing songs about people over nothing. we got the whole song, Father Abraham has many sons. Many sons has Father Abraham. I'm one of them, so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. Right? You don't write songs about people that aren't important. You don't write songs about people that you don't think are pretty good influence or somebody to pay attention to. So that's Abram. 
And we can look at Abram sometimes and be like, man, how could I? I couldn't do that. I couldn't just leave everything and just follow after God. I couldn't just have faith and trust in God that He's going to make a covenant with me and then just be happy and hunky-dory with it and never question it. I couldn't be like that. What I want us to understand, we are chasing this idea of perfection, right? Of what it, we think it means to be a, a perfect father or perfect parent or whatever it may be. And we chase after it, we chase after it, and chase after it. And the reality is, is that, that you're not ever going to catch it. And as we chase after this perfection, a lot of times it creates within us uh, these feelings of self-doubt, like we're worthless, like we're of no use, that our children would be better off without us, or that we, we aren't helping them any, or somebody else could do a better job being our kid's parent than, than we could. And we, we have these ideas because we're chasing after this, this vision of perfection that really, in all honesty, does not match what, real, what the reality is of life. It does not match the reality of what it is of life. So because of that, right? Because being a parent isn't always just clear-cut and isn't always just – it's often confusing and there's no just developed hardcore, this is what you do in every situation, yada, yada, yada. We sometimes just get the idea that I, I'm just going to do it myself. I'm just going to figure it out by myself. I'm going to do what I need to do by myself. I'm going to do whatever it takes, and I'm just going to do everything by myself. And this is where we find Abram and Sarah in the Scripture. Right? This is where we find Abram and Sarah, we, we look at them, we idolize them sometimes, we hold them in high, high regard in, in, the, in the church, and when we look at scriptures and whatnot, and even Hebrews talks in the, in the Hall of Faith and everything, talks about Abram. But Abram and Sarah were not perfect people right. in any way of form or fashion. They were not perfect people. We look at this situation, and we see that in this situation, their impatience begins to get the best of them, Right? That they begin to conceive and think of ideas of, of that they could do things on their their own, right? It wasn't the having the child. God wanted them to have a child. It was the way that they went about it that happened. It wasn't because just it was a concubine or a second wife. That was common nature back then, right? It was the fact that they were impatient and didn't wait upon the Lord. They said, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to figure this out. You know, we've mentioned it before. And I know I've said it before, like I said. Men oftentimes like to find situations that they think are broken or messed up or aren't just working as best as they think they should and try to fix it, right? They try to make it right. They try to make it perform better. If you got a car and you think you go a little faster, you might tweak it, right? If you got a, a lawnmower and you think, you know, I could do more lawnmower if I took the governor off this or whatnot, you're going you're gonna to tweak it. You're going to fix it, right? If you've got this, that, and the other, you're going to change it. You're going to modify it. You're going to make it where you think it operates better or if it's broken where it operates at all. And that's where we find Abram. Right? Now I want you to understand, and this is it's one of those things where we oftentimes just gloss over it. But the Bible says they had been in Canaan for ten years at this point. So I want you to realize it wasn't like Sarah just woke up one day and said, Hey, why don't you do this, Abram? And I thought, Oh, that's a good idea. Let's go ahead and do this. This is ten years they'd wait upon this child. And no doubt, in growing frequency, maybe not at the first day. Or maybe not the second day after the covenant was made, or maybe not even the the first year or the second year. But at some point, they got to thinking something's not right. At some point, they got to questioning things. At some point, they began to, to think, well, what do we need to do? What do I need to, how can I interject myself into this situation to, to make it better? And no doubt, there was nights that they began to set up and think about, well, what can we do? What if we did this, Abram? Or what if we did that, Abram? They probably traveled all over and went to different ones here and there and got, had discussions and talked to different things and, and thought of different things and said, well, what if we do this? What if we do that? Or maybe we can do something else. This might not even have been the first time Sarah would have brought this up. 
Maybe Abram shot it down the first time. We don't know the amount of conversations they had over these ten years where they began to worry, and they began to fret, and they began to question, and they began to doubt. And then the more that they did those things happen, the more they thought, well, what if I did this? Or what if I did that? Would I be able to fix it? Can I make this work? Can I make this happen? And we fall into that same mentality in our lives. Right? We fall into that same place that even as parents, we begin to think, what can I do? What can I do to change this? Instead of, instead of just waiting and being patient as what we see that God wanted them to do, what can I do? How can I fix this? How can I insert myself into the situation that didn't need them to insert themselves into it? There are situations that we need to address as parents, right? There are some situations, though, that we need to say, hey, God, I'm, I'm, this is not for me to... Go dive into. I'm going to let you have that space to do this. But we see Abram and Sarah. They get to this point where over years and over years, they begin to question more, they begin to fret more, they begin to doubt more, they begin to worry more, and they begin to find a way that they could fix it. They could fix it. And as fathers, we think that we can fix everything, right? We think that we can make everything better. We think that if we do something, or if we work harder, if we put in more hours, or if we do this, that, or the other, if we, if we parent them a little bit tougher, if we parent them a little bit gentler, whatever it may be, that we'll be able to fix what's going on in the situation. I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. And that's a dangerous mentality for us to have, right? You look at very many situations where somebody just got the gumption and said, I'm just going to do everything myself and not help, ask for any help. I'm not going to reach out to anybody. I'm not going to do anything else that anybody tells us to do. I'm just going to do it myself. And usually it doesn't end in a good way. And we see that with Abram and Sarah. Let's give some context into this story, right? It's like we said, they traveled around for 10 years. Here they were. They old folks, right? They're getting really up in age. And they're like, we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to figure this out. We, we only got a few more shots at this. We're going to do what we need to do. We're going to take care of it. And we'll just let things fall where they lay. And the Bible tells us, and we got to the end of the scripture that we read, where, where Sarah, once Hagar conceived, became frustrated, became angry, became jealous that Hagar was, was conceiving. Maybe in her mind she's thinking, this is all Abram's fault, and we'll just, be, we'll just see here in this minute. We'll just recognize we're both too old for this, and we can just move on. But here, there's a child. There's a child now. He's going to show up, and it's not mine. He, he promised it to Abram and me, but, but this isn't my child, right? She gets upset. She gets angry. She just begins to, to torture Hagar. We understand that from Scripture. She, she blames Abram. She says, you, you've, messed, you've messed this up. She blames Hagar to the point where the Bible says that Hagar just runs off and leaves. Just runs off and leaves. The Bible says the angel of the Lord came down and talked to her and said, you got to go back. He said, go back. I know they're not treating you right. I know this isn't the best situation. But you got to go back. But he said, I will make sure that your child has a nation come from him too. It's not the way that I intended it to be. Abram and Sarah, they got their own ideas. They got their own fixation. They were going to fix it and make it right. And they did their own thing. And I I didn't bless that for them to do it. But I'm still going to bless you. And I'm still going to make a way for you. But even after that point, we understand, till now in today's history, there was was still conflict between the people of Ishmael and the people of Isaac, right? The people of Israel as it goes down to the line. There is still conflict between them. There is still anger. There is still reproach. There is still frustration. There is still problems boiling today because Abram and Sarah decided, I'll do it myself. And we need to be careful as fathers, as parents in general, as anybody, that we don't slip into this place where I'm going to do it myself because oftentimes when we begin to seek into that mentality and that mindset, we do more hurt than we help anybody. Because I am human. 
Man, I am human. And let's just be honest. Every time a human has got the chance to do something on their own, even back to the Garden of Eden, has it ever ended well? No. No. Adam and Eve took of the fruit. Sin entered into the world. You look at every instance where somebody was just decided, I'm going to do it myself in Scripture, it ended poorly. Yeah. It ended exactly the opposite of what God wanted to do. True. God wanted us to have eternal life forever and ever, never suffer any kind of loss, to never know good and evil, to never know any of these things. What happens? There. In the Garden of Eden, we know all of that now. He didn't want there to be conflict in the Middle East with that, like that stuff with Ishmael and the Isaac and Israel, those people, those coming together and fighting for ages and ages and ages because somebody decided to do it themselves. That's where we're at. In any instance, as we as fathers or mothers, whoever it may be, or just husbands and spouses and whatnot, that we decide, I'm going to fix this my own. I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to do whatever I want to do with this thing, and we'll just do whatever happens, happens. We better be ready, because very rarely does it end in a good place. And usually the only reason it does is because we realized our fault before it was too late and went back to God, right? So we see that. We see that they decided, I'm going to do this myself. They had this idea that, that you know, we, we got it. And in, in our lives, we might chase perfection. Then we get this mentality of, I've got to do it on my own. And those two together are an awful thing to be, an awful place to be, right? But there is a better way. You know, I, I, I don't like stories where just everything doom and gloom and this side ends and there's, you know, there's no good option. But there is a better way because we can, instead of chasing after perfection, we can be chasing after God, right? At the beginning of the sermon, we talked about chasing these ideas of perfection uh, to try to be perfect and everything like that. And, and we can't reach it. We will never be able to accomplish being a perfect parent, being a perfect father, being a perfect mother, being a perfect husband, being a perfect wife, whatever it may be. You will never be perfect in any aspect of your life. You will have flaws. You will have failures. You will have downfalls. You will have things that you mess up. You'll say things you don't mean to. You'll do things you don't mean to that you'll regret later on. We will never be perfect in that way. And just as Abram's desire, though, to have a child wasn't in itself bad. It was the path that he took to get there yeah. that was bad. And we might have the desire to be perfect. We might chase after it and chase after it and chase after it. And the desire to be a good parent isn't a bad thing. The desire to raise your children the best that you can isn't a bad thing. The desire to, to be as the best that you can be is not a bad thing. But the choices that we make to get there sometimes will lead us away from what God wanted us to do in the first place. Because we'll decide, I'm going to do it my way. We'll decide, I'll listen to somebody else's advice. We'll decide, I'm, going, I'm not going to heed what the Word says, what the Bible says, what God says, what godly wisdom says. I'm going to do it on my own, and I will get there if I can. But I want us to understand that if we really, truly want to be the best parents that we can be, the best father that we can be, that we need to look to Scripture to do that, right? And how do we do that? Matthew 6, 33, I think, is a Scripture that we... We play off too often as just another biblical truth that isn't really relevant in all of our life, right? This is what Matthew 6.33 says. It says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God in his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Right? Let's give some context to that scripture. A few verses before that is when Jesus says, You can't follow God and mammon. You can't follow God and the things of the world. You can't follow God and the things of the flesh. You can't follow both. And then he goes in describing how, you know, they talked about how the lily, he says the lilies are more precious than any of the greatest kings and everything. He says that the birds don't go plant and sow, but they never worry about the food that they have. What he is helping them understand 
is that for so long, society had depended upon the things of the world to provide everything for them. So the idea that you could go and follow after God first and leave those other things behind was foreign and peculiar to them. And we in the church have got to the same mentality about every aspect of our life many times. The idea of trusting God to help us to parent is foreign. We'd rather listen to somebody else's advice. We'd rather do it on our own than to heed God and His things and things of Him and the righteousness that He gives than anything else. So we go and we look at our life and we got to understand that the best way that we can go and after being a good parent, a best parent that we can be, a good person in general, is to chase after God. To seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you, right? Scripturally, he's talking about food and raiment and everything in, in that direct understanding. But broadly, he is speaking of Everything that you used to expect to get from the world, you can now get from me. That's what he's getting it down to. He's saying you can't follow God, you can't follow mammon, you can't follow the world. You can't do them both. It's one or the other. You will follow mammon because you're used to getting everything you need from them. The food, the raiment, everything that you have usually comes from this. I want you to understand you can entrust everything to come from me now. So what does that mean? If you need help being a parent, or we used to may have looked at other things to help with that, to other wisdom or other thoughts or other opinions, we can now put our trust into God to lead us in that, to chase after God. He says, all that stuff you used to depend on the world for, you can now depend on me for. So as we're going through life, man, there's there's going to come questions all the time about what should I do in this situation? Or how should I parent this kid? Or how should I do with it my adult kid now? How does that relationship look like? Man, we're going through this hard time with the family. Yada, yada, yada. We all have different situations. We have unique situations. My generation, my parents parent me in a way, and now I'm parenting my child and I have different situations that I'm dealing with, right? And we think, well, the Scripture can't have answers for all that. I can't go to God for all that. It's different each and every day. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all the things that you're looking everywhere else for, for answers and for knowledge and for wisdom and for guidance and for fulfillment, look for it in me, in my kingdom, and in my righteousness, and all these other things. They'll come from that. Amen. And it's a peculiar mentality to have, right? Especially for us that like to control aspects of it and fix aspects of it and, and, and interject ourselves into everything, that there's any even a sliver of a place for us to interject ourselves. We put ourselves into that situation, right? So it's so strange to say, well, I'm going to go and seek after this and expect this other thing to meet me up here. But God has a plan and a way to do things that we can never understand, never conceptualize in our own mind, our own thinking, if we just seek Him first. Instead of chasing after what the world says to be perfect, instead of chasing after what, you know, you might have in-laws, you might have family, are telling you, if you're going to be a good parent, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do another thing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. There's good books that talk about parenting. There's good books that teach you about how to do this and that. There's good videos and there's good things to look at, search out and study and everything like that. But have you sought the kingdom of God first? Amen. And seeing what it gives you. And seeing where it leads you. I've said it before. But a lot of times we've tried everything else before we try God. We try to find every other answer before we ask God what His answer is. We try every other option before we see what the options in Scripture are. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Chase after God. Chase after His things. Chase after His kingdom. And all the other things will fall in place. Those other things include being a good parent, 
being a good spouse, being a good this, that, and the other. So instead of chasing the world, chase after God. And just see where where He leads you. Amen. I, in Scripture, we talked about every time everybody does something by themselves, or of their own will, or their own volition, usually it didn't end well. But every time I read in Scripture that somebody decided to completely obey God, it ended in a good way. It might not, maybe not always from our point of view, it might not be in what we thought was best, but it ended in the right way that God desired it for end. If we chase after Him. Amen. If we chase after Him. Amen. So I pray that, you know, this isn't just a, a sermon for, for men. and This isn't a sermon for fathers or people that, that have kids or expecting kids or want to have kids. This is, a, this is an idea of mentality that we all can apply to our lives, right? That we all can look and we all can say, hey, what is it that I'm trying to chase in life? That I think I have to be perfect in this aspect. That I have to do this, that, and the other to make sure all these things are fulfilled. That if I was just chasing God... Everything else will come about it, right? Everything else will follow will fall into place. Everything else will follow behind me if I just chase after God. Amen. So if you have a need this morning, I encourage you to come.